welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for each person here. Lord, mostly we thank you for your presence, which is so tangible in this place this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're doing in us and in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've been looking at this series on culture and um, I want to continue looking at culture because more and more I just feel like this is where the Lord has us because it, as we develop our culture, because we, we are in this fortunate position, you know, it, it's interesting when you join a large church, um, there are so many advantages of joining a large church, being part of a large body um, in the sense that um, you've got so many facilities and everything. But there's one thing you don't get to do. You don't get to shape the culture. You literally, you join the culture. But one of the privileges of being part of a church plant is that you get to shape the culture. You, you get, in a sense, to form the, the, um, to, to form the foundations of what's being built. And, and so this time in the building of this ministry is so important. And uh, a number of years ago, I remember, I mean, Debbie and I planted, we've been part of, uh, this is our third church plant that we've done. We've been part of another church plant. So we've been part of, we were part of a church planting movement. And one of the things people always wish for is that the church would like just explode, you know, and that you'd have like a couple of hundred people overnight. And one, one of the things we've seen the Lord do with us and we've learned that actually sometimes that's not the best thing. Because when that happens, um, you just get a whole lot of stuff. And you then have to, you then have to weed out what's not actually what, what you want to, uh, want to build. But often what the Lord will do is, well, He seems to have done that with us, is He gives you a small, small seed and then you begin to shape the culture. And it's like, like the little bit of yeast that gets into the batch of dough and then it flavors the whole batch of dough. And... We, we want to be very deliberate in the culture that we're creating so that in years to, uh, uh, years to come, we have deliberately chosen our, our culture. And I feel like the Lord is really speaking into this area of culture, not just in this church, but right now our world is having a culture shift. And there's some really encouraging things happening. There's some really encouraging things happening. And they may not at first appear to be encouraging. One of the first encouraging things that happened was, you know, of course, um, the, the war in Ukraine broke out two, uh, uh, two months ago. And as we watch it on TV, it's abhorrent. It's awful what, uh, watching it. But one of the things that I believe has happened in our Western culture is God is shaking the world and He's shaking the world and all of a sudden we are rediscovering the reality of evil. Now, and, and, you know, this is actually a good thing. It, it's actually a good thing because um, for so long our culture has embraced this lie that evil doesn't exist, that good and evil are relative, that, that, that there's no such thing as good and bad. But all of a sudden, because of the shocking nature of what's happening in, uh, in Ukraine, it's amazing. You'll read these articles where all of a sudden people are proposing this, uh, this radical idea Evil exists. 
Of course, it's an idea that we've known for, ma- uh, for many years. For It's been part of our culture, but it's been rediscovered. And that's actually an encouraging thing because when, when we start rediscovering absolutes, again, we can start laying down foundations and cornerstones to build into the future. And then, of course, um, two weeks ago, I think, there was this momentous decision in the American Constitutional Court, which declared um, Roe versus Wade, the, the landmark decision on, um, on abortion, it was overturned, which the practical effect of it does not make abortion illegal, but it removes, it removes abortion from the idea of it being a right written into the American Constitution. And so, um, and a practical, uh, practical result of that is in many states in the United States of America, um, abortion is now illegal. Because on a federal level, they get to make that. Of course, in many other states, it is still, uh, still legal. But it is a step in the right direction. It is a step in the direction of a culture of life. And why should that encourage us? I'll tell you why it should encourage us. Is because when that decision was made in the 1960s, it was a step towards a culture of death. It was a step towards... It wasn't when it immediately happened, you'll remember... When it happened was that the culture, by and large, did not believe in abortion. And they said, listen, and they told people, listen, don't over-exaggerate. You know, it's just, you know, they'll be making this decision. It's not like everyone's going to go out and start having abortions. Of course, it didn't happen overnight. But once that decision was made, the momentum picked up to the point where um, today in, in New York, for example... Um, late-term abortion or abortion on demand to the ninth trimester and even beyond is legal. Um, and and it's, it's a crazy thing. In the 60s, not even the most left-wing person would have believed that that is possible. They would have, they would have said that as a harm. But as the culture shifted, it became more and more normal. But you know what? I believe the Lord is raising up something in, the, in our day that that is, about, is changing. And this decision, it's just the tide is turning. It, we, it, it's not, the, uh, it's not <laughs> you know, to quote Churchill, it's not the end of the war. It's not even the, be, uh, the, uh, the end. Uh, it's not e- e- even the beginning of the end. But perhaps it's the end of the beginning. It's the end of the beginning. Because we will win this war. That's the promise of Scripture. And, and I don't really like to use the word war, but it is we will win culture in the end. So it's so exciting what, what God is doing. And it's, it's possible that we can shift the culture and towards a culture of life. So here in us, I believe we need to continue to pursue a culture of regeneration. Or a regenerative culture. And that is a culture which promotes new life. Another word for new life is the word revival. Revival. God is wanting us to individually, personally, and corporately experience new life and, uh, and, uh, and revival. It's significant that when Jesus came, he said to us, in order... For you to enter into the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. Born again means to be 
to come to life again. It's another word for regenerate. To re- a regenerative culture. And the question is, can our culture become born again? You see, we've, so many of us have lost heart for our culture. I, I don't know about you, but there are times where I just look at the culture and I think, Lord, it is so desperately wicked. We have become so callous and hardened and wicked. We've accepted things. That it, I, I can't believe, Lord, where we are. I can't, literally, I can't believe we're at the place where boys don't know if they're boys and girls don't know if they're girls. In previous generations, this was not a very difficult question. It was just, look down, sweetie, there's a clue. It, literally. And it seems amazing to me that we have got to the place. And part of the reason for that is because we've lost fathers in our culture. We are the most unfathered generation that has ever lived. Because it's dads in the heart who step uh, step in and say, you know what, sweetheart, that's a silly idea. That's not true. This is who you are. And uh, it's so important that we, uh, we know that. You know, I, I really believe God is, do, is starting a work right now. Even with the, the COVID and the pandemic and everything, there's a, there's a reset happening. We haven't yet seen the full, uh, the full implications of it. But I know that God is at work in the, in the world. And the question is, can culture become regenerated? Well, I, there's a couple of examples that I just take enormous courage from. One is the Welsh Revival. In the Welsh Revival in the, in the 1900s, in the Welsh uh, valleys, people were like very, very far from the Lord. Um, the, the normal Welsh uh, uh, my, uh, people. And it was particularly so in the Welsh mining towns, where these men had lived hard lives their whole life, and they would literally, from the age of eight, they would be down in these, uh, in these collieries, in these coal pits, and they'd be uh, working. But then the Welsh revival broke out in such a way that, that the presence of God just started sweeping down these valleys. And the presence of God would literally hit a valley and go down the valley, and people would start uh, coming under conviction of sin, uh, uh, giving their lives to Jesus and getting born again. And they would start, uh, and, and actually the Welsh revival, the Welsh being the uh, Welsh, the revival spread not so much on the preaching, but on the singing. So songs would travel through districts. You see, this is one of the powers of the arts, you know. And songs would travel and they would begin to learn these songs and come under conviction and give their lives to Christ. It was so transforming that the donkeys in the coal mines had to be retrained because these these hardened Welsh miners had been so abusive to these donkeys and they used to swear at them, etc. that they got born again and got tender hearts and they were now, instead of swearing at the donkey, telling it what to do, they were gently exhorting the donkey what to do and speaking to him. And the donkeys would stand there. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what to do. They literally had to retrain their donkeys to deal with Christian men. Isn't that amazing? That's a, that's a picture, a practical picture. Come on. <laughs> that, that, that they're literally, that the, the revival of God's presence and His kingdom 
would so change a culture that even the animals need to adjust. That's amazing. And one of the elements, the element I suppose I want to speak about today, is as we do that, one of the elements of a regenerative culture is this element, interdependence. And I spoke about holism two, uh, two weeks ago uh, before I went away. And this is similar, but it's, it's, a, it, it, it's similar, but not quite, uh, quite the same. And what it basically talks about is we cannot take one part out of a culture without it impacting all of the rest. So, you know, I, I remember when I, um, when I got born again, I can remember always feeling like, you know, man, I'm not old enough to really be used by God. And uh, I, I was waiting my turn to, 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 be Im- to be impactful, to make a difference in the, uh, in the kingdom. And I remember feeling, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young. And then one day I went to a conference and the guy spoke up and said, God is using the young. If you're over such and such age, you know, listen, sorry, but it's... And I can remember thinking, what the heck happened? I was waiting for my moment. I was, and, and then suddenly I was too young and now I'm too old? And I was like, yeesh. When was I exactly the right age? Was it 15 minutes ago? Or, or like a year ago? When was it Jesus? And you know, it's an amazing thing. We've built churches on this idea that it's like the young that God's using or the old that God, uh, God is using. Or if you're in your uh, you know, working prime. That's, the reality is, is that God doesn't go after one part of a system. God goes after the whole system and He's created the whole system. Which is why... The church is called a family. You know, I, 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 love, I, love, um, I love it when we have a big family dinner at, uh, at our, our house. Because um, mom and dad are there. They, uh, they, uh, they come along and they, the, the patriarch and the, uh, and the matriarch of the, of the family. And then uh, we have uh, the, the parents and we have all, uh, all the kids. I'm uh, looking forward to, you know... When, when I've got you know, some grandkids and they're uh, great-grandkids. I'm looking forward to that moment. But when, when we're all there, it's amazing how much life there is in the house. And you know, it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. God has designed us to need one another. God has designed us that every part adds something into, uh, into the kingdom. It's the same thing in your garden. Um, those of you who love gardening, I... No, Leanne, Mom, and see, you're into you, you know, a little bit, a little bit. So if you, you know, if when you get into the garden, you can't get life in your garden if you only focus on fruit. I, I, I discovered this as I, as I started trying to grow fruit in, uh, in my garden. First year, I was so excited because all I wanted was like, man, I planted my tomatoes, I planted my, uh, my stuff, and I wanted to get, uh, get fruit. The first year was dismal. I think, you know, it, it really was. It, was. it was sad. Until I started studying more and I realized that what actually I needed to be focusing on was not on the fruit, but on the soil. You've got to start with the soil. And the soil is a picture of culture in our lives. I have a friend of mine, he, um, he farms in the Eastern Cape and he's got this sheep farm. Uh, he's got a lot of sheep on his farm, let me, uh, let me say. But he told me one time, he said, Nigel, what I am Actually, I am a grass farmer. 
I'm a grass farmer. I raise uh, grass and then sheep eat the grass. But my most important job is, uh, is growing grass. And, I said, and he began to speak to me. He said, you know, a couple of years ago, the Lord began to speak to him about regenerative ag- agriculture. And what he's been focusing on for, for years and years now is just the soil of his farm. And he had just addressed that. And it's the same thing in the your If you want to build a fruitful Christian life, you can't begin with the fruit. You see, we've done that for some. He said, listen, if you want to have a, a good relationship with the Lord, don't do this, don't do that. You, you, know, you, you can't sin, you can't, you know. And we do that. And try and do all this. I mean, we don't realize that if you're trying to produce the fruit of the kingdom without addressing the roots in your life and the soil and the culture in which you're living, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. So what is the, what is the in, in the soil, we have these things, it's the bacteria and the uh, uh, mycorrhizae. It's like little bacteria down in, in the soil. That basically what happens is these little bacteria get in, uh, in your soil and they break down the organic, uh, the organic material. In your, in your soil. Soil should be fully alive. Unfortunately, in the way we do agriculture and gardening today, we, we literally kill our gardens. We kill our soil by just throwing chemicals in. And it seems like a quick fix, etc. And it looks nice, but actually we're killing, uh, killing our, our ground. But the, what the bacteria does is it breaks down all the organic material, etc. And makes it available for your roots. And then the roots take up the life and it, it gets healthy plants which fight, uh, uh, more healthy your soil is, the more healthy your plants are, the more they fight off bacteria, uh, they will fight off diseases and bacteria, and the more fruit and flowers that, that they'll have. Now, how does that apply in your life? You know, it's the smallest things in your life that make the biggest difference. Yeah. Life begins from your thinking. Yeah. It's how you think. It's how you think about. There's two really huge areas of the culture of your life that you need to address. The first is how you think about God. What do you think about God? When you think about God, that your, your attitude and what you think about God is the most important thing about you because it will affect everything about you. It's the same thing in, in our culture. When a culture begins to embrace the lie that God either is absent or does not exist, it, it, it destroys everything in that culture little by little. But when, as Christians, we obviously believe that God exists, but the Bible goes on and says that faith, um, if we have faith, you must believe that God is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, that says two things. Not just that God exists. You can go to almost any part in the world and find um, religions that believe in the existence of God or of gods. But that second part is also key. It says that God is a rewarder. So that speaks to the fundamental nature of God. That He is a good God. That's amazing. It speaks about the goodness of God. You know that's a great place to start your life. In the pursuit of a good God. That as we, I pursue God, this is a good thing and He will reward me. You see, most cultures from the beginning of time up until now other than the Judeo-Christian worldview, sought to pursue the gods to appease the gods. There's a massive difference. 
The, the, the underlying implication of appeasing the gods is that the gods are fickle, angry, and punishing. But the God that we pursue is a God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The more you find Him, the more blessing. The closer you get, the more you will feel His presence. Amen? And so, that, that, then the second uh, aspect of a life-giving culture is that you, uh, what you believe about you. Who are you? You see, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I was just sharing in in Dad's group and Dad always often tells a story of when he had this encounter with Jesus where Jesus walked in in the bathroom when Dad was in the bath. And the Lord just came and just let Dad Feel the love, his love for dad. It, it was so overwhelming that dad in the bawling got out of the bath, came and gave Dawn a hug. He was bawling with us. Even when Dawn told him to just pull himself together, he couldn't help, help himself. Just the love of God just poured out uh, on him. You know, when you truly understand the de- and, and the Lord said, this is not just my love for you, but it's my love for all of humanity. When we truly understand the depth of God's love for each of us and for humanity, it will shape and change the way we live and, uh, and we see others. And you see, this is where life really begins. It begins in the smallest things. In the way you think. The, the, the way, if you change the way you think, it will change the way you live. I, I, I love the title of our book. Our book is called It's a Beautiful Life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. We, think, uh, we like to think of it as, I came that you might have life, a beautiful life. Isn't this amazing? That's what God has for you. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have a beautiful life. Whoa. So... Culture begins in your thought life. And there's a scripture, and I'm going to read it to you in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 7. And this is the, this is the passage on spiritual warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience wherever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things, uh, you are looking at things as they are outwardly. Now, actually another, I'm going to read it from the NIV because I like the, that last verse in the NIV. It says this. Verse 7 says, You are looking only on the surface of things. Now, spiritual warfare, um, it begins here. In the thoughts and the imaginations that are captivating your heart. That's where you, you fight your spiritual warfare. That's actually where we actually um, feed into cultures. One of the reasons why it's so important that, we, that Christians get involved in the arts. Because the arts just externalize imagination. Out, in, uh, out of, uh, into culture. It's, it's one, of, one of the reasons why we should be involved in every aspect of, uh, of culture and the arts. I really believe that. Because as Christians, 
We can, we can shape the picture of what a beautiful world looks like for people. We can tell people, this is important. This is laudable. This is worth pursuing. This is beautiful. Beauty is so, uh, is so uh, important. And you see, the interdependence that God has for us is, is life at every level. Life at every level. In our thought life, in our relationships, in our actions, in our generations, um, from young to old, in our languages, our colors, our nations. You see, this is the thing, is that I believe that God has actually taken the world and caused migration because we need one another. We need one another. The idea of, you know, some people have this idea of like, okay, we, we need to all just like be in our, you know, you know, that, that God somehow missed the plot, that Africans were meant to stay in Africa, and Europeans were meant to stay in Africa, and Asians were meant to stay, no, 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 I've got that wrong. Uh, you know, <laughs> Africans were meant to stay in Africa, and Europeans in Europe, and Asians in a- a- Asia. You know, that was never God's plan. The Word of God says that God has chosen the exact places that we should all live. That's amazing. Do you know why? Because we need each other. Because life comes through interdependence. Amen? It's true, in, uh, it's true in nature or in creation and uh, true, uh, true in life. And um, so I want us to deliberately, as we cultivate life in, uh, in ourselves and in this, uh, in this company, in this tribe that we're building, to realize that the culture of life is a culture of interdependence. Actually, you can no more have a strong spiritual life on your own, then you can grow tomatoes in the air. You can't. They die. I know. I've tried. <laughs> we need one another. We need what, what uh, uh, one another uh, brings. And, and in your own, when you're cultivating life in, in your walk with God, remember, begin with the small things. Begin with your thinking. What are you thinking about? I don't know about you. The, the enemy works really hard with my imaginations. You know? I, I, I so often find myself, you know, imagining like 10 years time or 20 years time. Uh, and I, I have pictures out there that are not nice. Does anyone, does anyone get that? Yep. 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 Okay. All right. Well, it's not just me. Yeah. It's funny how the enemy doesn't have a, like a playbook, different playbook for everyone. And you know, I, I picture in 30 years time, and it's like the goodness of God to stop. <laughs> you know, it's like I can look back and see how God sent two young people who had no money to, uh, uh, to Grahamstown and a car that hardly worked, and God got us through and blessed us and, and did amazing things. And I can look back and see this record of faithfulness of, uh, uh, of God uh, on, on our life for 30 years. But if I imagine 30 years in the future, it's like God just left the picture. Anyone ever get that? But what if we change that around? And we remember, yo, he's always been faithful. Do you remember that miracle? Do you remember that? Do you remember how God stepped in and did uh, that? How he provided this and he provided that? And we use that kind of imagination. What if we did something radical and renewed our minds with the scripture? <laughs> 
there is a suggestion in the Bible to do that. <laughs> Where we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, by thinking God's thoughts after Him, by reading God's Word and declaring that over our lives. You know what will happen? Life. New life. And that's what the Lord's calling us to do. Amen? You know, one thing that I've just uh, recently I'm, I'm seen, um, actually in our Art Encounter class, I think it was two or three weeks ago, um, one of the ladies was doing this artwork and someone looked at the picture and said, you know, what you're doing here reminds me of the scripture in Proverbs where we see the wisdom of God and said that, you know, don't build your house first. Make sure all your um, fields and your lands are prepared first. And when you've got all those things prepared, then build your house. And we were just speaking about just the importance of making sure in our lives that I think for individuals, but also as a church or whatever, whatever you're building, is that your heart, or what not just talking about culture, because where culture comes from is from your heart. So in your personal life, or what you're building together with others, make sure, first, I think, that God is saying, before you try and build these big structures, like Nigel's saying, you're focusing on the fruit. Make sure that what your heart, what, what is your heart in the right condition? Because the Bible says um, that God is sowing the seed of his kingdom, and it's abundant. But that's, there's nothing wrong with the seed, but it was the condition of the soil that caused whether it was producing a hundredfold or not. And um, the Lord was speaking to me, and then Nigel had this dream, and just a couple of things mm. happened where the word of the Lord was so strong, be prepared, get prepared. Um, and I was, I was thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Because I felt like the Lord is going to, there's a season that shifts. Um, well, I think a shift has come. I already believe a shift has come. But the fruit of that shift, we're going to see in a couple of months yes. um, and years. But I think I'll, we'll probably start seeing it within a couple of months even. And um, so I felt like the Lord said, but you need, to be, you need to be prepared. And So I was thinking of you know, things that I must do and you know, structures or whatever that you want to put in place. I was thinking, Lord, well, well what is that? And then um, Nigel had this dream as well. And he was reading... Isaiah 40, where it says, prepare the way of the Lord. And suddenly the Lord just spoke to me so clearly again, saying this whole, because that scripture came to me again, um, of it's not so much the structures, not, don't focus on the fruit, focus on the fact that your soil in your heart, your culture is ready. So just close your eyes for a moment. Take a moment to allow the Lord just to, Speak to you firstly about your heart. Maybe there's just some areas that he just wants you to focus on. You know, sometimes there might be disappointments. Sometimes there might be, you know, people have hurt us. Whatever it might be. But like Nigel said, what the most significant thing about us, what de- determines our fruit, is, um, is our idea of God. And in our, that's where we keep it, in our hearts. What are we, what's, what's our thinking of God? What can he do with our lives? 
Where are those areas where, you know, maybe there's hardness? Maybe God wants to show you areas in your life where, you know, you've been disappointed and you've, you've hardened your heart and stopped believing God. Maybe the cares of life choking the word of God, stopping the, your receptivity to God's word, choking it. So maybe there's something like that, the cares of life, with the, you know, um, your busyness. Maybe there's something you need to cut out of your life because actually you've filled your life with too much and it's crowding out what God wants to do. Whatever it might be, just let's spend just a minute in quietness, allowing the Lord to speak to us. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.